Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Park. Welcome, welcome, folks, to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Got Troy in studio. I love this song. Me too. It's still it's so dark and weird lyrically, but the music. This reminds me of making the donuts. Oh, yeah. It's so jazzy. Omar Rodriguez Lopez. Is he still... Is the Volta still together? Are they a thing still? Uh, they... I mean, I guess they're still a band. I guess so. But he did... Him and Cedric Bixler Zavala went back to the first band that got him popular. Uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, <laughs> but it was like it was like the Mars Volta, but a lot faster and not as good. Okay, but they were doing a lot of drugs then, so they yeah. they went back to that band for like a reunion. They came out with an album. The album's name is like Internalia or something like that, mm. and now. Omar is with a new band um, that I can't think of the name of. They're touring with Le Boucherettes and Terry Genderbender is the lead singer. That's all I know. I can't <laughs> Terry th- Genderbender, yeah, what a I, name. I can't think of the name of the band, but that's her name. I, I think I'm like 100, 98% sure 98, okay. she's a she. All right. All um, right. But well. she, you know, she, she might come out. I don't know if it's called in drag, but when women dress up like guys, but... Is that in drag? Is it, I, does it go yeah. both ways? I don't know. Because, I mean, even Montgomery, and, like, I had dragged to a, a gay bar here in Montgomery. Um, How was that? It was actually fun. Confidence booster? I was fine, yeah. Okay. Yeah, got hit on by a few people. That's a, like, that's a confidence booster. No, but booster it was right it was easy. I was like, I'm not that way. And he's like, oh, cool. I'm like, <laughs> Cool. Right, enjoy the rest of your night. Yeah, have a good hey, you too. Have a good evening. And the the drag queen was entertaining, impressive, good dancer. Really, and I was like, all right. 
Interesting. I saw this video the other day. It was like at a con, like a con, like a Comic Con kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, this girl was as dressed up as some sort of like student, and she was cosplaying. Yeah. And I this- had a cosplayer on Friday, by the way. Oh, you did. Nellie Nutton. She's getting started in the in the cosplay scene. Her, apparently, her Lady Loki is really popular. Okay. That that name's on purpose. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know her oh, real wow. name. I'm not gonna. Oh, okay. Reveal it. Okay. But, uh, um. That's a great name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying. The, this, the student is this, cosplaying. Yeah, this this chick is like cosplaying as like a student from some sort of anime show. And there's a guy who's got a camera, and he's like, hey, can you pose for the camera real quick? Yeah. And she does, and then she turns around and she says, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and it was a guy the whole time. Just a deep voice. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And it was a guy the whole time, and the cameraman was like, oh, oh I guess I am a creep. Yeah, yeah. You got to watch out these days. Never too certain. And, you know, it's funny to me. It, the most it gets out of me is I'll laugh. Yeah. I do find some of this very entertaining and it, because it is odd to me, but not odd is like a put-down. It's like I'm not used to it, and it has become more and more mainstream. And so when there are these cases of mistaken identity... I'm a little like, oh, well, n- nice. Yeah. All right. Good for you. Yeah. Um, by the way, though, this weekend, I I fell off the wagon. What, what, what wagon? No, I haven't been abstaining from alcohol. I don't drink that much anymore, but uh, no, I didn't drink any alcohol this weekend. I got a gallon of whole milk. Not 1%, not 2%. Get out of here with skim milk. Oh, boy. Not almond milk, not soy milk, despite what the FDA says and a few dairy farmers around the country that want a law that say you can't call it, say, almond milk, milk. I know the difference between the stuff that comes out of a cow and what's milked out of almonds. Almond milk's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Soy, it's not bad. I, I like it better than soy milk. I like it better than soy I'd milk. I'd rather too. have whole milk, though. I'm yeah, with you. But whole milk from a cow. I got a whole gallon. Did you crush it? By myself. I drank the whole thing in two days. Two days, okay. Well, well that's, really, that's... it was like a long night. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Was there issues? No, I was fine. Awesome. Yeah, that's, I was regular. Great. Yeah, but then I ate, like, I hadn't eaten sweets in a while. Like, months. Like, a lot of sweets, so I ate a lot of, like, brownies. Drank a lot of milk. And there's a deal with milk that I, I'll pour a whole glass and thinking, I'll just sip a little bit of it. No. As soon as that milk hits my lips, goes mm-hmm. to the back of my throat, I chug the whole damn glass. Got to. Got to pour another glass now. Mm-hmm. I did it again. You know what stopped me from doing that? Mm. Getting, uh, I, they're called chugs. It's like the little chug bottles from like barbers. Okay. And then I just crush that and I'm like, I'm, I'm milked out right now. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, but there's something about milk where you don't, you don't sip the milk. Especially if you're eating like a brownie or a chocolate chip yeah. cookie. You got to put that whole thing back. I'm fairly certain... Milk that gets sipped, mm. the majority of it, is from the Brits that poured in tea. Oh. That's the only milk that gets sipped. sipped. Yes. Yeah. Well, then it's mixed in and, you know. But I, I pretty much, people might be saying, Joe, you look good these days. What did you have to eat this weekend? Milk and brownies. Milk, brownies, mini cinnamon rolls. Mini cinnamon rolls. Mini cinnamon rolls with cream cheese, a dollop of cream cheese frosting on the top of each mini cinnamon roll. How did how did you come across this no, smorgasbord? At, at the freshest of markets. The freshest of markets? The freshest of markets. Oh, wow. And uh, then also ate a bunch of bacon. 
All right. And then my uh, roommate's girlfriend made us uh, cheese eggs. I ate a lot of food this weekend. And I woke up this morning. like, what brought this on? Well, I think it's because the move from hell is over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to move. I did some yard work, our own, my grandfather's, on Saturday morning. And then I was done for the rest of the weekend. It's like, I'm going to watch Infinity War. I'm going to watch the Infinity War commentary. I'm going to watch, oh, now I'm in the mood to watch Black Panther. She hasn't seen it. All right, let's watch it. Wow. So I just watched movies, watched some Forge and Fire. She she being the girlfriend? Yeah, uh, my buddy's girlfriend. Yeah. She like it? Yeah, she did like it. Good. Black Panther's a great film. Good, yeah. Really good film. I, I really I don't know anybody that has seen it and was like, eh. Well, and I actually heard some Ryan Coogler talking about his big inspiration was uh, The Godfather. Yeah, I, I really want to watch the commentary. Yeah, his commentary on them. Because I, it's good. before it came out, um, when he was talking about his artistic direction or whatever, there's a scene sort of in the beginning of the movie when they go to that uh, sort of Chinese mm-hmm. gambling place. And uh, he's talking about the color palette that he used for the main characters and how it's the Pan-African flag. Yeah. And it was really cool, so I, I really want to see that commentary. So because I was such a milk-chugging hermit this weekend, I was thinking, oh, did I miss anything in the news? And I, like, flip open my phone. I don't even flip open a phone anymore. I just turned on my phone screen, and it's Trump disses LeBron. I'm like, I knew this day would come. (laughs) Because LeBron James has been poking the bear for, like, a year or so now. He's been saying all sorts of stuff about Trump. And I'm thinking, because LeBron is so popular, he's one of the few people more popular than Trump on Twitter. And just because of who he is, King James, like... You don't mess with... I don't care if you are Donald Trump and you can take on anybody. You're going to take on LeBron James, really? Especially after he did what he just did. Oh, with but the, the school? school? Yeah. yeah. Great program. of Incredible things. You would think for someone like Donald Trump, who would hate social security programs, that someone doing something with their own money, yeah, sort of in the private sector like that, he would be celebrating that. Well, but Trump is not even like... Trump's a true nationalist. So keep in mind where all the other Republicans were saying, I think, honestly, we got to deal with entitlement programs in some way. Trump's like, not going to touch him. I'm going to cut taxes. I'm going to raise defense spending. And we're going to keep paying out entitlements. It's like, how's that going to work, Donald? Terrorists. How? Anyway, I'm trying to look exactly what Trump said on he Twitter. He talked about Don Lemon's interview with him and he was like, Don Lemon made LeBron James look smart. I think is most of the quote. And then he said, that's a hard thing to do. And then I think he hated on Don Lemon a little bit. Yeah, okay. And then he said, I like Mike. <laughs> yeah, here's the exact tweet from our President of the United States. LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television. <laughs> Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't miss anything of the news. I'm going to no. go drink more milk. No. And then and then Michael Jordan was like, yeah, no, I'm with LeBron on this one. And then yeah. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on Sunday like popped up and was like, hey, guys, I didn't have good cell phone reception in South Africa where I was building a school. I'm with you too, LeBron. And it was like... He, he kind of did what you did, where it was like, I wonder what happened this week. And he pulls up his phone now that he's finally got reception, and is like, oh, the the POTUS is, he's, he's got 
Twitter fingers again. Now, there's one thing that James said that that led up before Trump's tweet where I went, mm, he's probably going to get a hit. Where he's trying to divide our sport, but at the end of the day, sport is the reason why we all come together, James said about Trump. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. When Don Lemon asked, what would you say to the president if he was sitting right here, James said, I would never sit across from him. Like, why? That I, I mean, I don't know why Don asked that. Because he's already, LeBron has already said he wouldn't go to the White House if right. they won. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors have already said and didn't go to the White House. Or they said they weren't going to go, so Trump rescinded their invitation, and then they won it again this year. And so this, it still stands as like, nah, we're not going. But then this leads me further down the rabbit hole of my hermit weekend. After I'd pretty much taken out my gallon of milk. I got watching some Norm MacDonald joke compilations. Nice. And he remember, uh, you remember he used to have a show called Sports Show. It was a short run on Comedy Central where Norm was telling news about sports and making jokes. And he's talking about, remember Trump said, I like Mike. <laughs> Norm is going, now I've been watching these Haynes com- commercials. And they do a good job. There's Michael Jordan. You know Michael Jordan is. He, people talking about his underwear makes you think about underwear and going to buy underwear. It's a good commercial. Other than the fact of why does Michael Jordan have a Hitler mustache? And there was a time period where Michael Jordan was rocking the Hitler stash. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. Why not? I just because you can't. Like it's it's too. It, you're, oh, people are going to think Charlie Chaplin. Aside right. aside from the fact that that kind of mustache. Has never looked good on anybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's really a fashion faux pas, if you will. But aside from that, I mean, why not? Why not rock it? Why not? And if you anybody know, can at pull some it point off. in their life of shaving their face, everybody has made that mustache and was oh, like, yeah. "I want to see what this looks like." Yeah. and they've done it, and then they were like, "Oh, this is hideous," <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they finish shaving. Well, and if anybody could bring it back, it'd be uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, you know, he's he's sort of famous for like toeing the line of not. He just stays in his lane. Yeah. You know, you ask him a question about politics or, you know, anything that's kind of loaded with whatever the answer is going to be. He's kind of famous for staying out of it. Yeah. I think, didn't he once say Republicans buy shoes too or something like that? Right. Which is brilliant in terms of the bottom line. Makes sense. So I felt like when he came out and was like, yes, I'm I'm with LeBron here. It was (laughs) like, it was like, man. Donald, you you got Mike to, to you got Mike to who's notoriously never getting out of his lane to be like, yeah, I'm not with the president of the United States, and it's not like you can walk back tweets anymore because no. the courts have said that those are official. I suppose it's just like really, this is what I mean by I thought I was being irresponsible, drinking all this milk this weekend, watch a bunch of movies, Norm McDonald jokes, and this is what I'm missing in the news. Yeah. Okay. Donald Trump and LeBron are in a Twitter fight. Yeah. Oh, no. Violence erupts during Antifa protest in, I guess, Oregon somewhere. No, that's Berkeley, California I'm looking at right now. Classic. Is, you say Antifa? Yeah. Okay. Or Antifa. That's what I call it. Yeah, Antifa, Antifa, tomato, tomato. They Whoever just, says tomato. They just hate way. fascists. Yeah. I, they hate so fascists much. so much that they, they, they just tell people that they're fascists <laughs> so that they can sucker punch them. Like, yeah, they, they hate fascists so much they kind of act like fascists. Yeah. Was it, uh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm not good with history around the, the rise of Nazism, but was mm. it the brown coats? 
Yeah, brown shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kinda, like kind of acting like that, <laughs> right? Well, no, and it does remind me, in all seriousness, of uh, George Orwell's story, where he hears about okay in Spain, the Spanish Civil War, you have essentially the old uh, government. You have General Franco, who is kind of bringing fascism to Spain. And so Orwell, being a good democratic socialist, being a good socialist, like, I'm going to go and fight against these fascists. But when he gets there to join up with the other socialists, he realizes, okay, one wing of the socialists are backed by Stalin. And Stalin's an evil dictator. And the way they're having me speak about Stalin and others, you can't criticize the man. Like, that doesn't seem right. So he joined some little group, I think, called anarchists, but they were kind of socialists. But he he realized, and if you look at the left, this often happens, and it, and it doesn't have to be the left. It can be any movement, politically speaking, where they become more and more pure and more and more about a cult of personality, to where they often end up becoming what they hate. Yeah. And I see that a lot with Antifa or Antifa. I mean, I see that often with the right. They go so far, it's just like, goodness. Yeah. Like, calm down. So that was in the news. What else? Oh! Alex Jones, who in forever that was today, right? Yeah, today, and it started last week with the uh, him being sued by the families of Sandy Hook. Um, well, you brought yeah. that on yourself, Alex. That yeah. wasn't the lizard people from outer space. Well, but Alex Jones is forever in my mind as outside of the Bilderberg meeting. Going, They're eating golden rap babies in there. Golden rap babies. Golden. The man's crazy. And the funny thing is his lawyers had to argue. They did it before when he was sued. They're arguing in court that the things Alex said about Sandy Hook cannot be construed as verifiable fact or falsehood. He is giving opinion, and he's entertaining. That's because in his divorce proceedings, or mm-hmm. rather the custody proceedings, he claimed he was an entertainer. And he exactly. delegitimized himself to get more time with his children, and it didn't work. It didn't work. You know, and this is where I'm... It, now like, he's off of Facebook, Spotify, and... Apple pulled him off all their podcasting platforms. YouTube pulled him off. YouTube, that's... Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you got to look at that and go, okay, I don't like Alex Jones. But, I mean, I brought this up with Spotify before when they said, we're going to take away anything hateful. Good luck. Because you're going to have every group under the sun going, this is hate! So Alex Jones yeah. might be a pretty explicit example. We have some people, I'm sure, listening who maybe likes Alex Jones. I would say Alex Jones is entertaining if you don't take him seriously. I think he's entertaining, if not in a weird way, like it's a little scary. I've seen some Alex Jones clips, and it's like, dude, there, if there are folks that take that seriously, I, I feel bad. Um, but that stuff's out there. Yeah, I think next I'll probably go after that QAnon guy. Mm-hmm. But then you bring up a valid point, though. Who do you go at? How do you really define hate? If you're going to take something off of a platform like that, and granted, it's a private platform, it's not a public platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it really comes down to okay, how do we define whatever this is? You're going to have to change your mission statement or your core values to reflect a definition of what you consider to be something that you would end up taking up off the platform. But I, I kind of look at it like this. If Alex Jones came in my house and started talking about space Jews or something weird like <laughs> yeah. that, I would kick him out of my house and be like, get out of here. You're not welcome here. Right. That's To me, that's exactly... Because that's a 
that's a private thing. He's in my house. Yeah. I don't want him there. YouTube, Spotify, Facebook. They're all private organizations. Right. Now, if, if this were, say, a government-run Facebook mm -hmm. thing, like they have in China... Well, thank God we don't have that. Then I would consider that censoring. Yeah. And against free speech. Yeah, and I, I agree completely. They're private platforms. They can do what they want. I'm just saying, okay, yeah. given that they have that right, good luck enforcing this in an even-handed way. Because, number one, you're so big... Right. That there's going to be inconsistencies. And also, this is an interesting point of people out in that culture, um, kind of in Silicon Valley, is it's not like when they hire people, they go, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat, a progressive or a conservative? They don't do that, obviously. But it just tends to work out that most of the people working in Silicon Valley are probably going to lean left. Yeah. So how do you get... Clear, like if you're especially enforcing things that are a little blurry, it's not like somebody's calling for violence or they're just being explicitly racist. It's more political differences. And most of the people in your hiring pool are already leaning left. How do you deal with creating a peaceful platform or, you know, for good public discourse and do it in an even handed way? Right. Fortunately, Alex Jones made that real easy for him. True. You know, <laughs> he made that real easy for him. But I agree with you. There's a lot of nuance there. And when you have a side that's supposed to be, and I'm not saying side left or right. I'm saying yeah. side as in the, the people that work for that platform. If, if you have a side that is naturally sort of leaning to the left, or at least based on the numbers, most of them are left-leaning and pretty far left-leaning, um, then what ends up happening is how do you establish the nuance of something that's either political or something that is innately politicized, like, say, the Young Turks. Like, if I if I were on YouTube, I'd kick the Young Turks off. Mm. That's, well, that's just... I'd, well, for, I'd kick anybody off that refuses to recognize the Armenian genocide. But that that's neither here nor there. You can only post cat videos. Yep. Only cat and dog videos. Yeah. Maybe some sugar gliders. Maybe rabbit. Maybe rabbits eating arugula. The slow lorries. Yeah. Panda bears being fed at a zoo. Animal videos are allowed. We'll have red panda Sundays. Yeah. I get it. I'm there with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down with that. It's just, my approach would be, you need to have very clear rules that are easily enforced across the board. Yeah. Or don't even get involved in it. Yeah, YouTube's facing that problem now with all, because the majority of their platform is driven by content creators. Mm -hmm. People that now make their professions off of ad revenue from YouTube. And rather than doing it on a case-by-case -case basis, they developed an algorithm that is just terrible. And so, all it takes is for like a big production company for like music to say, Hey, even though you transform this song, we're going to give you a hit. And it goes into the algorithm. The algorithm automatically demonetizes yep. that video. And if it happens more than like twice, then you get kicked out of YouTube. Yep. Well, I know uh, the guy invited me over to Fecon. He says all of his out-of-frame videos, which usually take clips from movies, mm -hmm. and uses them to make a point. Like one he said was the evil businessman trope. It's pretty common in the last three decades. He said, every time I put up a video on YouTube, they will flag it as I can't have it up there. Yeah. But he has all, he's got, he's ready. He's got the legal argument in line, and every time he argues with them, he gets his video put back up. Because mm -hmm. he's a non-profit um, that he can't have fair use of those clips. Yeah. He does it correctly. But Did he have Gordon Gecko in the evil businessman trope? I think he did. Okay. He yeah. had all sorts of stuff. Well, the phrase he kept focusing on was, it's just business. Well, oh, then okay. half the time, it's not even like... A voluntary small business. It's like the mob. 
Yeah. It's like, well, that's how, okay, it is just business. That's just a way of saying, like, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. and I want the dollar more than respecting your rights. Right. It's like those people that say, I'm just being honest, mm -hmm. when then they just rip off some vitriol like it, it makes it okay. Right. Come on, folks. The, uh, Troy, the, the nincompoopery is wide and large. Wide and tall. There are say shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've looked in the mirror somewhere and said, damn, I'm part of the nincompoopery. Like how upset I'll get over some stuff oh, I'm yeah. used to. Yeah, same. Oh, same. I just, like, how am I letting this get to me so much? Yep, I'm like that with Russia, man. You see, I and just I'm. get angry. I've kind of. I have this general approach to not just Russia, but all the nations of the world that I like diplomacy, <laughs> you know? Um, like <laughs> my general approach to geopolitics is diplomacy. It's diplomacy and talking, yeah, not military buildups and you know posturing and more spies on either side, you know. Uh, but you know, like uh, Rand Paul today, he went and visited his counterpart in Moscow, the head of their foreign relations committee, and the I think it's the Duma, right? And uh, you said the Duma as in the location? The no, as their their, uh, their legislature in Russia. Oh, right, 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 right. Rand met, essentially, with the head of their Foreign Relations Committee and, yeah. in Moscow and said, come on back, we can we can talk. I think it's the same guy that ran the doping program because he used to be in charge of sports. Yeah. I'm serious. No, that makes sense, though. It's so messed up in Russia. But that said, I like what Rand Paul did. Let's have a conversation. Like, senator to essentially equivalent of a senator, talk. Senator an oligarch. Right. Exactly. No, I'm kidding. No, that's that's how it is. Russia's a crazy place. And Greg and I played earlier the uh, the prank call to its two, of course, radio personalities, but Russians. They called up Adam Schiff's office, and they got Adam Schiff's legislative aide or whoever set up the phone call to think that they were the uh, prime minister or something of Ukraine. Okay. Or the speaker, or the head of like the house, the speaker of the house in Ukraine. Yeah. And they, so they did this to another congresswoman. Oh yeah, they've done it to several. Tried people. to get um, information about because she was working on one of the Russian deals, and they called in saying that they were the head of, uh, or they were a representative for the head of someone in the Lithuanian government, and so they set up a, a phone call, <laughs> and the congresswoman's aides like called. A person in Lithuania was like, "Hey, we got this thing scheduled," and they were like, <laughs> "They were like, no, you don't. You don't. Uh, that person doesn't exist." And so they were corresponding with this Russian over email, and they just stopped responding. And the Russian was like, "This is so and so from Lithuania. <laughs> uh, I called, but no one answered. I'm just checking back." Like, <laughs> well, this guy, they actually get on the phone with Adam Schiff. Oh wow. And they're like, oh, yes, we are. Uh, there was a reporter. Uh, poor. She was a poor reporter. And she's famous because her godfather is Putin. And she met with one of the, uh, she knows the escort girls. And they, when Trump was in Moscow in 2013 uh, for the Miss Universe pageant, uh, she, this reporter, got one of her girls to uh, meet with Mr. Trump. And uh, after their short relations, they had compromising material and shifts like, Compromising material. What type of compromising material? Naked Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell the phone call goes on. Schiff knows this is BS. <laughs> but it's so funny because for the first few minutes, he's like 
they can. He's like, okay, we'll have our staffs check this. You have the documents and the things that corroborate what you're telling me. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and it's just two radio hosts in Russia. It's like my goodness. Oh, it, it's the news is Looney Tunes. I mean, and then you see stuff like that's on the TV screen now, or it's not Looney Tunes. It's how many people died in Chicago over this past weekend. Uh, did something happen in Chicago? I think there was just a major gang war. Like 50, uh, 60 something people died. And they were using. I know for a minute there they had a problem with gun violence as retaliation yeah. at particular places, like funerals, was mm -hmm. where a lot of retaliatory gun attacks were occurring. I, I haven't really been actually been paying attention much to what's going on in the U.S. in terms of like people that are protesting or whatever because I, I was looking at Bangladesh this weekend mm. there is some something awful going on there uh, these students are just getting they're getting like their eyes gouged out because they're protesting it's like the government what? is cracking down something fierce on these teenage students that are protesting and they're they're maiming and killing them and I was like good lord I yeah well, then more international news. It's not really in the American press. You can find it in the British press. Um, saw it in Al Jazeera, too. It's going on in South Africa, where essentially their constitution allows for eminent domain. This is after Mandela came to power and they read right. it. And Did they pass that law? I'm not certain if they passed it yet, but essentially they want to take away the part where you have to compensate the people. The, the, taking their the land. white farmers? The white farmers. Yeah. And it's just... It goes back to what we were talking earlier. You become kind of what you claim to dis to loathe and to hate, mm -hmm. and you go too far in the other direction. Because it almost seems easier than being level-headed. Yeah, when people are warning them, you're going to go the way of Zimbabwe. But let's hit a break. Listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I want to just go back to drinking milk, whole milk, whole milk. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> now we were just talking about uh, something interesting off air about China and Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Now a new Winnie the Pooh movie, I guess, has come out. It's live action, right? Yeah, I think Ewan McGregor is in it. It's called Christopher Robin. Mm -hmm. And with some of the new tech, that probably an interesting movie um i've noticed disney i, I mean disney's one of the pooh's not a disney movie. i don't think so i noticed disney's doing that with a lot of their old yeah. animated movies they're making them into live action movies john favreau that guy's a master yeah he proved the iron man concept for marvel and then he proved the jungle book yeah. concept for disney did he also do tarzan think so i mean he's just an incredible director 
Every time I'm in a bad mood, I watch Chef. Yeah. It's, I haven't it just seen that me, yet. It, it just makes me feel good. I have not seen that yet. Um, but I love Favreau. So this Winnie the Pooh movie, you think, is heartfelt story mm-hmm. about, you know, coming of age, learning to be yourself and deal with different things in life. And uh, China has banned it. Yes. Why? You mentioned that the the people in the resistance in China, the people that are not fans of Xi, yeah, the current uh, regime, they liken him to Winnie the Pooh. And there's a picture on that's going around on the internet of Xi and Obama walking, and next to that picture is another picture of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, and that got posted everywhere. Xi took offense and banned that image from the internet, and then it just sort of more people were like, "Oh, he doesn't like Winnie the Pooh," so. I'm going to put pictures of Pooh and G everywhere, you know? <laughs> so It, like, suggests that he's fat. Yeah. And, and you know, Winnie the Pooh, the, mm, I'm going to get the money. Winnie. That doesn't sound like Winnie the Pooh at all, but I, I can't I can't get that that high of a register with <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. But, yeah, so Winnie the Pooh is banned, and as a result, this movie is also banned. Wow. And it's it's so funny where, like, something... You think as benign an image as Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Now becomes this politically powerful symbol. Yeah. I mean, okay, there was another picture of G and, I believe, uh, Abe, Japan's yeah. PM. And it was Pooh, and next to it was a picture of Pooh and Eeyore. <laughs> now, if if any, if any sort of image comparison between me and any character in... I'll call it the Pooh-verse. The Pooh universe. <laughs> yeah. Eeyore, I would be like, is that really me? Come on. I'm, I'm Eeyore myself. And then yeah. and then I would probably agree. Yeah, I'm pretty, you know. Looks like Ray. Yeah. Um, where's my tail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me for the longest time. I now compare myself to another donkey in fiction, though. Benjamin. He's a donkey in Animal Farm. Hmm. And, uh... He says something to the effect of donkeys live a long time. You've never seen a dead donkey, have you? And apparently they suspect he's the only other animal on the farm, other than the pigs, who can actually read. So he gets he's he's wise to the fact that the pigs keep changing the rules. He sees their edits and he remembers. But he doesn't say much. He's kinda like, nah, things are bad. Things were bad with the humans running things. Things were bad with the pigs running things. Things are going to be bad for a while, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not do much. Mm-hmm. Not make too many waves. Until the very end of that short book. Or Boxer, the uh, trusty horse or stallion or whatever. He's worked all his long life, worked hard for the revolution and the pigs. And they finally say, well, Boxer, you're getting old and decrepit. We'll let you rest in retirement. That's what they promised him. You'll be able to rest after you work so hard in retirement. And so he rests for a few days and they're uh, going to take him off to what they tell the rest of the animals, the pigs tell the rest of the animals to the doctor to get his knees fixed or something. And as they load him onto this truck and he's pulling off and all the animals are like, bye boxer, bye. Benjamin the donkey finally pipes up. Says, you fools! You fools! Do you not see what this is? The signage on the truck, glue factory. Ooh. So Benjamin's a great character of, you might be cynical, you can go along to get along, but if you don't speak up soon enough, 
well, some really bad things can happen, especially if you're the one who can see it. Did that character go off to the glue factory? Oh, yeah. So why didn't he speak up sooner? Because he just... you never seen a dead donkey before, have you? Uh, I, For some reason, I, that makes me think of... I don't want to be that. The beginning of 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Mm. Uh, is a colonel. Aurelio Buendia. Ooh. Um, and it starts off with, as he faced the firing line, Colonel Aurelio Bundia remembered the day that his father took him to see ice for the first time. And the reason I think of that is because there's a donkey in the book. I don't know what the donkey does. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's I, just there. Every time I hear donkey, I think of that line, though. Also, I think of Shrek, but... Yeah. No, and it's interesting how these stories come back and, like, they get imprinted onto the news. Like I said, the news, there are serious issues. Like you mentioned, something going on in Bangladesh, mm-hmm. things going on in South Africa. I mean, I think where most of the action in the rest of this century will be in Central and East Asia. Yeah. And what China does and what other countries do to react. India is a huge player in all of this. Yeah, and their, their allies and their enemies are interesting. Like, mm-hmm. Because I would say we in the United States lack a certain perspective. So, like... India hates Pakistan. Oh, yeah. And my thought process is, why haven't they wiped them off the face of the earth yet? I mean, just in sheer numbers of population, they could destroy Pakistan. They could. They haven't done it. But they hate them. Oh, and Pakistan hates them. Yeah. like It's like Palestine-Israel hate. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the most guarded border on earth. Uh, I think in the Kashmir region, in between India and Pakistan. And they both do ceremonies up to the borderline, like fake fighting ceremonies, these sort of things. Oh, like like North Korea and South Korea did at the DMZ? Yeah, but this is like right up to their faces. Like, this is like almost reminds me like drum majors in a movie. I want to say that's been in a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Salmon fishing in the Yemen, maybe? No, it can't be it. But anyway, the reason why is they both have nukes. Yeah. So they're not going to fight each other anymore because they both they're kind of guaranteed to destroy each other if they actually fight. Yeah. I mean, as for as crazy as it sounds, mad is actually a pretty good policy. Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy though because I mean, how many times in history did it like the one story I can't remember the Russian's name or they had new computer systems warning systems put in mm-hmm. and it goes off that the United States has launched mm-hmm. uh a, ballistic missile and he's thinking to his training going well i was told if they launch missiles it'll be a huge barrage it won't be just one or two and it was up to him whether or not to sound the alarm and he did not yeah and we didn't have nuclear war it's like uh bay of pigs the cuban missile crisis if you don't have those back channels between khrushchev and kennedy could have easily ended in war thermonuclear war Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, mad seems to work in that we haven't had world wars again, but it's like we're flirting with disaster. We always I saw, speaking of flirting with disaster, I was watching a clip in a soccer league in Yemen, which is sort of a, I mean, as a country, this is going to probably be offensive to any Yemenis people listening, but it's sort of a backwater. But they're definitely, their soccer culture is definitely a backwater. Yeah. Yeah. they don't have the money for a good federation. So 
they never really make the World Cup, things well, like that. It truly is a tribal country with hundreds of political parties and now, sadly, a massive civil war with the Saudis and the U.S. backing it, Iran and Houthis. Mm-hmm. Uh, all their infrastructure is destroyed. They're a nation that relies on mostly importing all their food and water. So. They have very little food at the moment. Yeah, it's a terrible disaster there. And so I'm watching this soccer game. It's you know very poor quality video, but I'm watching this soccer game, and there's missiles flying overhead. And these people are so, I don't want to say desensitized, but it's like, hey, there's a soccer game. We're going to play this soccer game. And there's missiles flying overhead. Now, you and I... If we were playing sports, if you were on the football field sure. and a missile's flying overhead, are you going to stop the play and look up and be like, what the... Yeah. Yeah. They it, they weren't even phased. It just... That's wow. how you used, used to... Yeah. To the war. <laughs> the ongoing yeah. action. Crazy. That is... It's insane. And, I mean, you look at that and go, the U.S. is helping Saudi do that? Now we're not directly firing. We're helping to, like, refuel and target... The logic being, if we didn't help, the casualties would be worse. That's the logic that's given officially. Mm-hmm. But I think some of this is also a, sort of a signal to Iran. And uh, tonight, the new sanctions go back on Iran. If This is going to sound crass, but if in the, the f- late 40s, early 50s, the United States does, doesn't prop up the House of Saud... I think the entire landscape of the Middle East would be completely different. Oh, yeah. Particularly if, you know, the, our relations were a little bit more rocky with them after they did 9-11. Yeah. Why are we still... But That's the, the weird reason thing. why we're doing it is because they're the only country over there right now that's like, yeah, we'll work with you. We'll work with you. And this new prince, soon to be king, seems like he does truly want to modernize. This uh, but, There was an infographic posted on Twitter called... The account was infogra- at KSA underscore infographic, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. They threatened to do a 9-11 type attack on Canada. And wow. one of the largest buildings in Canada, the, the CN, because there's an ongoing issue with um, a company called General Dynamics. And the country of Canada has a deal. It's like an arms deal almost, mm. uh, except it's for like APCs, I want to say. And... Uh, they're having some there's some strife about that deal mm. and so <laughs> that that Twitter page which I don't think is actually officially from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia but is in fact a group that's a part of right. the KSA um, sent that out and then quickly deleted it when everybody was like whoa well and that the House of Saudi was kind of made a deal with the devil with the Salafists or the Wahhabi Salafists well the uh, extreme the, groups the moment they started exporting that religion and building uh, Salafi schools yeah. around the world, someone should have put a stop to that. Yeah. But that's, I think that's hindsight being 2020. It is. I mean, well, and you can look back, like go back to World War One and how the map is redrawn after the Ottoman Empire falls. Well, and by the way, I know I keep bringing this up, folks, but Erdogan in Turkey is bat crap crazy. Mm hmm. I mean, I thought I was being hyperbolic, saying he has neo-Ottoman aspirations. I've had nope. folks that do this for a living say, nope, that's uh, completely his deal. And it's making everybody nervous. They're Ex- in, except for the PKA. Yeah. It's just, it's a mess globally. And thus, I go back to my home, I drink my gallon of milk, I eat my sweets, I do my workouts, I watch my movies... And I hope for the best. And I stay informed to a certain degree. 
Like, don't pull your hair out over this stuff. Don't be like, you know, the the Benjamin character. Don't wait too late to speak up. But also, I think there are a lot of people under the illusion that, oh, if my if I speak up and I call out the lies and hypocrisies of our age, the world would be made better. <laughs> no, it won't. Because if you're not accounting for your own inconsistencies, your own exaggerations or outright lies, your own hypocrisy, then it just gets turned right back on you. And so what do we get when everybody's calling each other liars and hypocrites? Yeah, I, that it takes a level of critical thinking that you have to, and we were talking about this off air, about how some politicians' egos is, are astounding. Oh, yes. But to be introspective in that way, you would have to sort of remove your ego from things. I remember, I can't remember what class it was at Catholic, but it was that priest that ended up committing suicide. Oh, yeah. And, yeah morality, probably. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about, like, the conceptualization of God, and he, he mentioned something along the lines of, the problem with God is that we filter everything about him through our own human imperfection when he was talking about the Lord's perfection, if you will. Yeah. And that line right there, I use it a lot when I'm introspective because when I'm thinking about something, I'm not necessarily taking into account my own biases or my own inconsistencies right. or my own hypocrisy. And I mean, yeah, it's it's really hard to do when you try, okay, you know what, I'm being inconsistent about this because I'm not such and such. And so it makes it difficult to be introspective and therefore... Well, and it's not very useful in an argument where it's the point is to win. Right. And it brings up another issue. If the ability to see your own biases and then formulate an idea accordingly is a principled man a good thing? To be principled, because to be principled has consequences. Yes, it, it doesn't. Does. It and the consequences can be good and bad. I think to be principled, but you got to dig deep to realize what are the the be- the closest to possibly universal principles there are. Right. Okay. Yeah. Univer- okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And like you go down the rabbit hole enough, I think, and I've started to realize you have to literally take the good with the bad that there will always be some form of the bad or evil in the world. And it's just a matter of tilting yourself more towards being on the side of the good. That uh, even the most principled, I think, at peace person will have moments where they want to lash out. Mm -hmm. And so you never get rid of that. You just kind of rise above it a little bit. And you kind of keep it at bay. You control it. And so I think there are good first principles but I think what often, instead of searching for universal principles that are common almost timelessly, uh, people substitute ideology for that, political ideology, number one. Mm-hmm. And it leads to, you know, you're, you're scratching the surface of what is right, but it often ends at the fallacy of good intentions. Where I mean well... But it ends up creating a, a massive problem. It's kind of going back to the South Africa example. They mean well. Histories of apartheid, decades of apartheid and disenfranchisement for blacks in South Africa. But now the remedy is to 
use the government to essentially disenfranchise white farmers? Well, I think the reason they're doing that is because the pendulum had swung so far to the other side right. that there were there was a lot of crime occurring in the raising of that cropland. Oh, yeah. Like burning it to the ground. And this is where, like, there are a lot of things wrong with the U.S., in my opinion, but we're very blessed to have some semblance of a common law tradition. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I turn back to is, like, uh, in terms of politics, I think we need to learn more and more about common law traditions than we need to do about anything the U.S. Supreme Court or uh, what the legislature is talking about today or what the president said or your senator said. If you can kind of understand the basics of what allowed the United States and much of the West to flourish, that will be a good founding, a good cornerstone against whatever comes. Yeah, especially when we started this show with you discussing how some farmers, uh, dairy farmers, do not like that almond milk is called almond milk. You know, and then we we also talked about the president of the United States of America tweeting a basketball player. Yeah. Whereas... On the other side, you've got a soccer game going on in Yemen while a bomb flies overhead, and they're so desensitized to it, they don't even react. Give some perspective. Yeah. Well, folks, thank you for listening. This has been the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Troy, thanks for being here, man. No problem, buddy. I'll be back tomorrow night. Joey Clark.